This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. Uh, I'm glad you went to me first because I did remember our conversation from last time about, you know, crunching the numbers on this shit. Uh, Pretty busy week for me. Uh, Illinois is like opening up now. Um, so I had my first, my first social activity of any type was on, uh, Tuesday of this week. Went to my first elopement, had some friends get eloped. So I went over to the courthouse and had a uh, socially distanced wedding. Went and, uh, I signed the marriage certificate as, as a witness in my black pink mask. It was very cyberpunk. Um, very memorable, pretty good time. What's up with you? Well, I have some questions first before we okay. get to me. Um, what was there a reason behind the elopement versus another version well, of joining in in matrimony? Um, I imagine so. Not to get you know too into their business or whatever, but my I feel like the engagement was uh, was pretty imminent anyway, and uh, I I can kind of put myself in the groom's position. And I think we probably have uh, similar attitudes about these sort of things that this was probably a pretty good excuse for him to be like, Hey, if we go get a lope now, we don't have to deal with all the fucking fuss and hassle and uh, attention of doing a whole big wedding where we have to, you know, go around <laughs> and engage people in that way. Uh, so it just seemed like a, probably an efficient way to do it. Here's my real question, though. If you get eloped, do you get all the gifts you get when you get married? Um, so they asked for no gifts. Fucked up. I brought I brought a bottle of bourbon, and then uh, I went over to their place just for a little, you know, post-elopement, uh, you know, lunch. And at that time, I ordered a copy of Final Fantasy VII for them, uh, <laughs> primarily because <laughs> the bride is a big Hikaru Shida fan, and she wanted to know more about Tifa, who she was cosplaying in, on AEW recently. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy you Final Fantasy VII. And that's going to be your wedding for or your gift for entering uh, marital bliss. I got to say, the second best part of getting married after, of course, devoting my life to my beautiful wife was the gifts that you get. I right. mean, we got so many gifts, uh, lots of good stuff around the house that I would never want to spend my own money on. So I got to say, if you got to go through the wedding to get the gifts, it's worth it. Just my opinion. Hmm. You know, free shit is neat and cool. Yeah, rules. All right. Also joining us, I don't know his thoughts on elopement versus marriage versus anything else, but I think we're about to find out, folks. It's Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears. You know, I think there's like a nice charm of, of eloping. I think that it's something that when you like look at like marriage and all of that, that being able to just be solely dedicated to each other, I think that's 
pretty romantic and charming. I'm a very romantic individual, as you all know. And I think that it's something. <laughs> Do we know that? Oh, I, I thought that just went hand in hand with being a Toriyaman guy. Is that you're also oh, very romantic? Okay. I, I'm incredibly romantic. I mean, so yeah, I think that's like a, a really cool kind of form of dedicating yourself to your spouse. And gifts, I am the worst person to buy gifts for. So I could only imagine that if I were in the position to have a wedding registry at a certain point, I don't want, I, I, I like the idea of the honey fund, like people like just tossing cash for your honeymoon. I feel like that that's more like my thing, just cause I could just imagine ending up with like a, a bunch of mixers and like, I have a mixer already. I like it a lot. It's a kitchen mate. I use it for baking. I don't need one of those like stick mixers and like all that. So like, that's like my anxiety about wedding registries. I feel like that. More so than anything else in a wedding, that's what would derive like the most stress in my life. So the, the, there is the Mike Spears theorem on both romance and gift giving. Just give me cash. I, I, I can handle it from here. I, I, I'm almost 34 years old. I can take care of, of getting my own presents. We did the gimmick where you go to the store and scan the stuff, you know, so you kind of just see it and you're like, oh, that looks good. And you scan it and then people just buy it for you. It's wild. You see, that just sounds... It's all just online now, right? Like yeah. Link. It's like, we're registered on these websites. And then you go... Right, but, but, what? We, but we went to the store to like pick the things that are on the, the list. Okay. I, I yeah. mean, that just derives more anxiety in my life. Imagining mm. having to talk to like the registry person, getting the gun, and having yeah. to tromp around at Bed Bath & Beyond for two hours. Like, whenever I go to a store, I go in and I get out. Like, I'm able to accomplish a perfect Costco run within 10 minutes. Cause I know exactly what I'm going to get each time. That's how type A I am. So this is why I say like the, the idea of a wedding restaurant gives me great anxiety. Okay. The, uh, the great anxiety for me was my role was planning the honeymoon and folks, there's lots of places you can go. It's a big and, world. Yeah. So it was pretty overwhelming and, uh, yeah, I hated it, but, uh, it ended up being fun. So where did you go? We went to Mexico, went to Cancun. I don't know if you told me that before or if I just kind of assumed he seems like probably a Cancun goer. Well, I was, I, do I? Do I really? Well, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. When I asked, I went, I feel like he's going to say Mexico. So it's either easy. either you do or you've just told me before. We'd already done uh, the Dominican Republic, you know, so that was out since we'd done it before. I don't yeah, know. I was the, other, the other top candidate, of course, for honeymoons, the DR. Right. So, and we didn't have the money to go to like Turks and Caicos or something like that. You know, I, mm. when we got married, I literally had just quit my job and started my own law firm. And so I had no money coming in <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> it ruled. And uh, anyway, I just wanted like, uh, like, you know, an adult's place. So there wouldn't be kids running around, you know, mm. which worked out pretty well. It was a fun time. You just... There's nothing quite like just going somewhere for a, a, a legit ass week and not having to do anything. I respect that. Nate, what would be your ideal honeymoon spot? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess the, the presumption is you kind of want to do like a tropical location, right? I mean, yeah, the, I did. That, that's yeah. not what I would do if I had my brothers and my partner was okay with it. Right. That's kind of my thinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, next to my list, probably for like international travels, South Korea, but it's also like for a honeymoon, I don't know that you want a <laughs> trip that distant. <laughs> right. And you probably want something that's a little less on like 
day-to-day tourism activity sort of thing. I, I, I can just uh, imagine Nate talking to his partner. Uh, yeah, today we're going to go to a PC bong, and that's where we're going to be spending our day. I don't know what that is. You know what a PC bong is? It's no. a, it's because South Korea has the best internet in the world, and they have the cafes where everyone goes and plays video games. At. All right, Fam- famously good South Korean pings. This yeah. I am familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. You know, um, I've been to Hawaii, so maybe not Hawaii. Um, um, what's another good? Maybe it is Mexico. I don't know. It. I mean, when you start trying to, if you want to do a tropical thing, which I did, I wanted to lay on the beach for a week. You start narrowing it down. It's like, oh, it's cheapest to go to like Mexico or uh, or the Dominican, and so you know, it just played out that way. That did we. The beginning of that conversation was, wow, there's so many places to go. It's a very big world, and then we basically came down. Now you just <laughs> go to Mexico. <laughs> you, could, you could go to like Bahamas, I guess. Sure. Y- go on the s- cruise. Go on the Jer- yeah. No, I would not go on the Jericho cruise. <laughs> no. you, 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 you see, all of your ideas. Are all fine and good, but it's not encapsulate my my personal neuroses and brain canon of how how little I trust the ocean. Like I'll go to the sure. beach, but like the idea of me spending seven days at the beach is just like there's only so many like books I can go through at the beach at a certain time. And I'm a person who's gotten sunstroke at an odd future show, so we want to like protect the spears as much as possible. I I, I feel like doing protect like spears battle royal. Yeah, protect spears battle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron Bentley surf tall. <laughs> I, wait i think that's fucked up actually <laughs> i think i just currently served uh stout king short king I, I, as a fellow short king I, I i'm allowed to lob short king jokes like that that's right yeah it's fine. yeah i i like i i find something like intensely like charming about like doing the italian crew doing like the the trip of italy and then you know the riviera go to monte carlo like i i yeah. I, I feel like that that's kind of my thing. I, I You see, y'all are beach people. I'm a Palazzo person. Well, it's not even that I'm a beach person, just that, I, you know, I, I would like to see all sorts of European countries and do all that shit also, but probably not for a honeymoon. A honeymoon. Is yeah, like- that's fair. That's fair. That is fair. Yeah. I mean, the honeymoon is about like laying around all day and like fucking. That's that's what your honeymoon is for. Uh, if you do oh, too much, I was trying to uh, nimbly dance around. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. If you do too much tourism, it's like you're tired, you know? Right. I mean, so, d- different strokes for different folks. I Yeah, sure. I mean, I've heard of people doing crazy stuff, you know, like really active trips. Just depends on who you are, you know? Uh, I'm just the kind of guy who, when I do a vacation, like when we did Japan, that was so much fun. But I also could have done seven days or 14 days somewhere where I just didn't do anything. All that time. Yeah, I thought we had a good balance. Anyway. We we did. We did. Okay. If you want to know more about my thoughts on honeymoons, give us a follow at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Give us a rating and review if you're using the Apple Podcast app. As long as you're not in China. Well, I don't know. Where did they... They canceled. I think China. Yes, China. So if you're listening to this in China, then I guess you can't give us a rating interview. China, please liberate us from podcasting. (laughs) Yes, please. Uh, Patreon.com slash everything elite. If you want some more bonus 
content from the EE boys. We'll talk more about that later on the show. We're going to play Elite or Delete, as we always do. We're going to run down Dynamite. We'll mention the ratings. And that's basically it. We'll talk a little bit about what's coming up in the next few weeks on Dynamite. So let's get right into it. It's time for Elite or Delete. Delete. Elite. Nate, buddy, you've you've already uh, you've already suggested on Twitter that you know what I'm what I, hmm well, you think you know what I'm gonna delete. So let's let's start with your elite and just see what happens here. Okay, it's a long tease for. Um, an obvious swerve now that you've set it up that way. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, best thing on this show was the first match, I thought. FDR versus the Butcher and the Blade. This might be a uh, beneficiary of ex- expectations. I don't know that I thought I was going to enjoy this as much as I did, uh, but really a pretty strong show all around uh, in terms of wrestling. But I thought it was kind of unusual in that like the wrestling peaked early, and then every match after that was also good, but kind of just a little bit less good was sort of how the the wrestling played out. But um, I thought I'm, I'm going to have a fucking hard time with these guys' names. Uh, Dax, Dax Hart, Harwood, formerly Scott Dawson, the bald guy. Uh, I really enjoyed his work in this match. Um, I The last match of theirs I saw was probably against uh, Ciampa and Gargano at like a, take, a takeover however many years ago. Uh, he was in there fucking going 100 miles per hour with all of his uh, beefy forearms and wrestling moves and shit. And the Butcher and the Blade are right there with both these guys. And uh, just thought it was a really fast-paced but, uh, you know, bruising match in a in a pretty fun way. You thought this match was fast-paced? I thought this match went on forever. I thought this was not a good way to debut FTR. I thought that Butcher and Blade well, are just there as goons. And FTR, if you're trying to get FTR over as, oh, we do classic wrestling kind of stuff, okay, but you don't need to spend 20 minutes doing it. I do think that, and of course, this is the uh, classic AEW harp. Um, they gave the Butcher and the Blade too much, and it lasted too long, and they kicked out of too many, there were too many near falls for the Butcher and the Blade. I think that's just going to be the kind of promotion it is. I think it's going to, there's going to be this thing of, oh, having a really good match means we go 20 minutes and we have a whole bunch of finisher kicked outs and shit. And that's just kind of where we are with the super indie style meeting cable television wrestling. Um, so I think this was probably a victim of FTR wanted to go, hey, we're really good wrestlers. We want to go out and prove that we can have a really good match. And that's how you get sort of that uh, concoction of, 20 minute long matches that don't need to be 20 minutes and, and where you're giving the other guys too much really. But uh, so I, I am with you on, on that uh, aspect of it. it. It's just something that I feel like FTR's big strength in this division is going to be is they're going to be the good reflection team. If that makes sense. Like you have the bucks, they'll be able to reflect how the Bucks style is Lucha bros. Eventually they will be that style there. There's really not a style for butcher and blade other than like watching them on darks much. I have, their style kind of is yeah you have jacked up rob naylor and jacked up uh teddy roosevelt that are just in there just kind of kind of throwing people around a little bit like 
I don't know. It's one of those things that this is like obviously FTR had a win, but like that's the only thing about this match that I agreed with whatsoever. Like it was a decent match. Like when we get into my elite, I have a statement about the show at large, but I don't know. Saying that this is the best match on the show when we had Sammy Guevara and Colt Cabana have like a basically like 100% Sammy Guevara and Colt Cabana match and what it should be and a really fun Cody versus Marquinn match. I feel like that thinking that this match, like the, the match quality went downhill from the start is where I take an objection here because of how long this match was. Well, I, I guess I'm going to come down in the middle here in that I liked the match. It was much better than I thought it was going to be. I was pretty concerned that the styles here would make for a bad match. And it turned out to be good. I thought it was too long, but also fast paced. Like I, I felt the, the interesting thing was that FTR was able to go at that pace for a 20 minute match. Like I was impressed by that. So I agree uh, with both of you on, on that point. Um, I guess my issue with it, and it just goes back to my long standing criticism of how they've handled Butcher and Blade is that they basically were a jobber team. And then they get 20 minutes with, you know, this team that you're really trying to debut as hot. So, I mean, that's frustrating to me, but I think Nate's right. Like, if I'm going to keep watching this promotion, and I am, there's some things I'm just going to have to get over or I'm going to uh, literally die mad about them. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think they're just going to be an, an underneath team, which I think is fine because they have a good, unique gimmick and look and presentation and everything. But, you know, they're not like super workers where I'm dying to see them in however many different tag matches. And, yeah, I think it's just – AEW likes to do these long matches, especially early on in the show. We see it with Kenny and Hangman a lot of the times, too. It's, it's going to be, you know, there's a significant portion of the hardcore wrestling fan audience that just, like, interprets long matches with a lot of near falls to be especially good, you know, as compared to other things. And, the, you know, I think they're just uh, playing to that sort of perception. It's like when you mix the the PWG style that became popular with the New Japan main event style that has become popular. It's I mean, we're getting that, except, as you mentioned, you know, distilled down into uh, something that's a little bit shorter. But I just think those are no matter what I like. And it's not that those are the popular styles of wrestling matches at this moment in time. So if there had been a crowd for this, I think they probably would have uh, been going wild for it. So, I don't know, just personally, not what I enjoy, but, uh, you know, I also don't want to yell about it every week on this show. It is funny to get that from FDR in particular, who are supposed oh, to yeah. be a throwback old school team. Like, you know, they should have come out and beat these guys in seven minutes or whatever. But Mike, still enjoyed it. Tell us something you really liked from the show. I like this entire show. I remember us talking earlier yesterday, AB, about how I thought the show was going to have, like, the highest variance on you can't really other than I felt like Colt and uh, Sammy, a lot of these quite a lot of these matches could have either ended up being very bad or surprisingly good. And it's not that everything like was knocked out of the part. And this was an all time episode of television, but nothing, none of the matches on the show dragged all the segments. I felt like for the most part did a great job. We're seeing a reboot of, of Joey Janela, which I think is going to be much more interesting for him going on. I think Darby Allen Pro Skater is something that we we all should everyone we need to 
we need to shake hands across the aisles and we all need to get Darby Allen into the Tony Hawk Pro Skater remaster. Well, I hate and, to see Mike go on full bipartisanship here. I, I just think that this needed uh, yeah, freaking the, the, Barack Obama on the pod. I, also, I, I, you can't be encouraging people to shake hands, Mike. Come on. Oh, that is fair. That is fair. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we've been South Carolina's been open for like a month, and everyone's getting even more sick. So I, I apologize. I'll do better in the future about that. But it just was like a a great overall two hour show, and something that I feel like they finally kind of have gotten down, like the idea of how dynamite should be. They've now been on like a stretch of things where it's not like. We're like looking at our watch. We're not like, oh, how's the show over with? Like this felt like a really exceptional two-hour show of wrestling, and it's something that I know Dave Meltzer always goes on about about how ninety minutes is the perfect time for a wrestling TV show. I think that like with given like the last few months, they've kind of proven that you can do a decent two-hour wrestling show. It's just no one's done it in such a long period of time. Mike, I agree with you, but your selection for Elite was the entire show. <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 i don't really have much to bury like you covered the one thing i wanted to bury already like i like i don't want to rehash that later about me deleting the butcher and blade but okay if you want me to pick one more thing i i like the joey janela video not one more thing okay joey janela <laughs> video way, way a whole lot fewer things okay yeah joey janela video i felt like that that's exactly the way they needed to package him and i guess maybe trying to imitate the john carlos style as well as possible here i feel like that that's an exciting thing to see Joey Janela and someone who's sorely underused like Sonny Kiss getting focus on TV. And I hope that this can go to bigger and better things for those two. Okay. I'm glad that's the thing you picked because I do especially agree on that. Um, but yeah, I thought really every segment match angle pretty much hit and functioned out as, as it was supposed to. So it was good in that regard. But the okay, Joey but Nate, now you're agreeing to the whole show. <laughs> Well, and I'm, I'm going to narrow it down to his one. <laughs> the Joey Janela video was, uh, did a great job of sort of uh, uh, introducing him to where his character is at currently and then taking that in a new direction in a way that's appropriate for his character. Uh, it was super well produced, like the having the Zandig bump like on a billboard way off in the distance was just kind of a cool little thing. Good little cheat to get that GCW footage on there. Um and yeah, I'm looking forward to that tag team because I think that's a great way that both those uh, the, both those guys can get find a place to to carve out a niche here and, and find their footing in the promotion because they haven't quite done that yet. Yeah, I mean, look at the way that they really got Kenny Omega back on track by putting him in the in the tag team with Hangman Page. I don't think they're going to run these two guys to the to the titles, but maybe. I mean, who knows? Uh, so I just think there's something about this promotion that you see in WWE, they throw two guys in a tag team where they don't have any idea what to do with them, and it stalls out at not having any idea what to do with them as a tag team either. And, you know, the, this is early to be uh, judging in AEW, but it's possible that they're able to actually take two guys that they aren't sure what to do with and get them back on track and turn them into something interesting through tag team wrestling. The only... I really like the Joey video. My only criticism of it is I feel like this is about the third time we've heard Joey say, I came in here expecting to be on top and now I'm really, you know, in a rut. So Yeah, but but now we see a action or a course away from that instead of it just true. being I feel bad and I'm complaining about this because I'm not living up to my own expectations for myself. Uh, I'm going to talk directly to the camera about why that's not good for me. Uh, and that obviously has not worked, but now it's like, okay, now we see 
a route for him to follow that's uh, you know hopefully going to lead to character growth and development and him finding more success. I agree. And my elite pick is going to be someone else who was in a rut, didn't know what to do, and now they had to go a different way. I'm really enjoying the Colt Cabana Dark Order story. It's like I was complaining on during uh, Dark, I guess. That's the other show that we talk about. I was complaining during that in the live chat on the Discord that the Dark Order just doesn't really have a purpose for existing at this point. That You don't really know. Like We had this whole thing about when you're really losing, then you got to try something else. So you come to the Dark Order and we're going to turn you into something. Except none of the people who go there have turned into anything. You know, so we really haven't seen Preston Vance. We haven't seen the Beaver Boys. We haven't seen any of these people really turn their time in AEW around by joining Dark Order. And we haven't really even seen all these people they tried to recruit who like kept losing and losing and losing. None of those people really ever came over to Dark Order. So maybe it was just we needed somebody like Colt Cabana who knows how to how to tell a story in a in a more compelling way. I mean, that promo that he did about how he does fine. He's having like a good time and doing well, except at the big spot. He just can't figure it out. So we see a little movement from him. And it's like, it's the first time that that aspect of Dark Order has been compelling. And obviously I was, I became very down on Dark Order and this, uh, you know, pulled me back in. So I liked it. I do think they needed to have somebody on a losing streak join and play out that story. Um, I don't know that I want it to be Colt because I really like the Colt character and I don't, you know, Colt in that stable of guys would be weird for sure. Um, but you know, I, I imagine the story is not going to play out uh, exactly that he just joins and now he's a guy with a mask on or whatever. I'm sure there's going to be further twists and, uh, developments. Yeah. I, I think that Colt in this is interesting and kind of a gamble because how good Colt has been and AEW improving that hey Colt Cabana being 40 and being someone who's been in the business now for over 20 years knows how to do TV wrestling something that he was heavily kind of shaded for a lot about his comedy stuff no he's been probably one of my MVPs of the company in the first six months this year it's the thing of like for Dark Order this actually gives someone that's not like oh Preston Vance, he looked decent in his matches. Or Alan Angels, he's they give him a lot of time when he loses. Now you have someone who actually has names and stakes. And I feel like that makes Dark Order a lot more interesting, especially now that you have the idea of they have like a full on like unit. Like this isn't like, like a team or anything like this. They have seven people now in this. And if it turns out the Colts going to be involved in it, that makes it eight. And I think that's really interesting. And also I want to see what's up with Mock Turtleneck. Like what's up with that guy? I want to see more of Mock Turtleneck and AEW. Yeah, it's approaching uh, like corporate ministry levels of uh, m- member number. Frankly, the more we talk about it, the more convinced I am that Colt is not going to actually join. No, I don't the think Dark he Order. I mean, that would be really strange. But a Colt uh, Brody Lee feud could be a lot of fun. Yeah, if that's where it's going. But we'll see. All right. Well. We've all kind of said that there was a lot we liked on this show, but Nate, was there something you particularly didn't like? Yeah, and this is uh, another, maybe one of those factors of AEW that we're just going to have to learn to accept and live with, and that you know, it, we, something that I can't 
come back and complain about all the time. But I'll continue to complain about it for now. And that's just uh, the angle inflation on this show and on this on Dynamite in general, uh, that every segment has to be an angle. Every match has to end in an angle. Every, you know, uh, every third week, the show has to end with, uh, you know, eight people brawling. Uh, every interview has to turn into an angle. You can't just have somebody give a straight ahead interview. They have to get attacked or they have to get attacked backstage or, you know, the other teams in the division have to come out after the match and do a clusterfuck or a pull apart. Uh, I just would like <laughs> more often there to be room to breathe and for them to pretend like it's a straight ahead wrestling competition where teams are trying to get wins and losses and they move on and go about the rest of their day or whatever. Um, yeah, just, you know, when you hit angle after angle after angle and then you go back and then you do a segment and there's another angle, just feels very like TNA to me. It, it's something where, like, I'm someone that when I take my notes, I color code so I know what's a match and what's like an angle. This is like one of the first times that my color code as I hold up my notebook here, if it ever focuses, is more in blue for angles than it was in red or black writing down stuff about matches. And it just kind of felt like, Usually they have the show and they announce some matches and there's usually something that's tossed on there. No, it was all angles. Like we had angles at every match, angles before matches. We had we had angles in matches and something. Had Alan that, angles with the dark order. We had Alan angles. Yes, we did. So and, and I feel like it's encapsulated by the fact that they had to do the everyone brawl trope. That they like they love doing these brawls and sometimes it's been super effective and then sometimes you get stuff like last night where it's like y'all had a big pull apart angle two weeks ago to end the show you're going back to it already and you're just like okay so yeah it does seem like that that this is and this is something that they've been doing over the break kind of having more angles and stuff not relying as much on matches itself i agree i especially don't like the thing that which they did twice on this show where it's just like okay everybody go out there you know, you had the FTR, the Bucks, every tag team that we have go out there at the end. Everybody come out who's somewhat related to any of the people that could be involved in this. Like, that's that's very WWE, that everybody has to come out. And, uh, you know, this person comes out. Oh, God, now this other person who's kind of involved comes out. Oh, my God. You know, you can imagine JR in WWE screaming over this thing as each new person comes out. So that's kind of a bummer. I agree. I... I don't know. It's like, why can't you just like FTR, for example, why can't we just develop these characters? Why can't we hear from them after the match? Tell us more about why they're here and what they want to do. If the Bucks want to come out and, and cut a promo or later, why not have a, a later segment where the Bucks cut a promo about FTR? I mean, putting them in the ring together now is kind of pointless since we know we're not going to see them uh, get physical with each other for some time, at least like maybe all out, but that's many months from now or it's at least several months from now. So I agree. I don't know. I guess I don't need to go on about this. I just, you all are right. What can I say? Mike, what is your delete from the show? I mean, you just told us the whole show was elite. So you just want me to skip you and come back to you later? Well, I mean, I already talked a little bit about this. FTR's debut, I felt like they could have been a lot more effective getting them over as major league players. But you've basically, in a way, illustrated the other point about that and that they immediately mitigated their impact on making them have to go deal with the entire tag team division rather than having them stand alone. So yeah, that's my, that was going to be my delete. So there we go. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, 
Now they have this problem where everybody they've debuted recently has just done squash, 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 squash. Yeah, so, like Brody, like Brody, and Cage and Lance Archer. Right? Yeah, I mean that was all. Those buildups were this guy's a monster who can kill anybody in his way. So I then, really if you think that's a problem, I like that. I'm not saying that's a problem. I'm saying now, if you do that with FTR, you're starting to develop a problem of like, oh wait, everybody we debut does the same exact thing. Yeah. I, I would have preferred if they come out and squash the butcher and the blade, but I, I'm just saying you, I can imagine, you know, WWE allegedly has a whiteboard, you know, where they say like, Oh, we did this angle recently. So let's not do it again, even though they do it again the next week. So I can imagine them sitting around thinking, Oh wait, we've been doing this a lot lately. So let's try something else. Uh, but yeah, you would kind of like to see them just get established. There's a lot in AW, I think of assumptions about what the crowd knows and I, I don't know. Do we think FTR comes across as like big stars to the AEW crowd? Um, I would not say they as individuals or as a team come across as big stars. I think uh, the feud with the Young Bucks and that story and them leaving WWE to pursue that story is a big story or a big deal in that regard. But um you know, I think the how that story plays out and how they deliver is going to determine whether they're regarded as like, you know, stars on the level of your your Kennys and Hangmans at this point. Yeah, it's just I wonder if they need to be established more and they're kind of just being treated. This was a, a big uh, criticism I had early in the promotion about the way that Omega was presented, the way that the Bucks were presented. It's like, I don't think these people are stars yet. You want to do things that help them become right. stars. Yeah. This is why I just wanted the young bucks to win the title and defend it for six months. And it's like, Oh, what, that beating Kenny a lot. Uh, yeah. I, I see what you mean. Though. Yeah. So, which I don't know, it's really hard to tell without a, without a crowd. And, and of course, AEW has the problem where the live crowds are hardcore fans and we don't, I'm not sure the TV audience knows all these people as well as the live crowd does. All right. My delete. And I like this show a lot too, but there are several things that I didn't care for. And I'm not going to swerve. I'm going right for it. It's actually going to be a minor swerve, Nate. So my delete is the finish for the women's tag team match, which I thought was a really good match. I enjoyed it quite a bit. The finish bothered me, and not just because somebody pinned the champion, Penelope Ford in this case, pinned Sheeta to presumably set up a challenge. My problem is, all right, as everyone knows, as I mentioned every week, been watching a lot of old wrestling. I think this is a WWE poison brain thing where interfering, a heel doing something nefarious to win a match gets them a title shot. It's insane. You should not be able to turn a title shot out of hitting someone with the belt to beat them. You haven't actually accomplished anything. That's my delete is if they wanted to pin Sheeta, I would have thought that was stupid. But okay, but to actually have the heel cheat to win and turn that into a title shot, I think it makes everybody look <laughs> dumb, especially Hikaru Shida. So I guess your, your point here is if you're determining the title shot based on the context of what happens in the match and not necessarily Penelope Ford's spot on the rankings, just the fact that she did especially well against the champion, that's why she's getting the title match, then that should take into account the fact that she hit her with the belt to do it, right? Am I understanding you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't 
clearly based on the challengers Cody's had so far, the rankings mm. have no bearing on who title right. well, challengers that's a, that's are. An open challenge, apparently. So that's just his. Uh, that's a real shortcut for him to do whatever he wants. Um, so yeah, I, I see your point there. It doesn't really bother me. Um, mostly just because uh, they don't want to go back to Nyla Rose because uh, they just had Hikaru Shida beat her and they want to continue to c- protect Nyla Rose, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, and yeah, so they wanted to set up another title challenger. Penelope Ford's a fine title challenger. Hits her with the belt, so it's not like she got a clean win over her. It's not in a singles match. Uh, she's a heel, so it gets her heelness over more. That it, it, It's all pretty straightforward booking that I think is functional. You know, it doesn't fire me up or get me, you know, super excited about the match or anything, but I think it's functional, but I, I do see your point. Like it is a, you know, ridiculousness of, of ridiculousness of pro wrestling sort of thing. And they have like three weeks until Firefest where we assume that Hikarashi is going to make in defense. You had time to build this match up another way. And I hope that they don't constantly rely on this as justification of Penelope Ford having a title shot you know but like they have time that they that they could use this as the start of this and not make this be like the crux of the challenge and i guess that's that's my hope coming out of this because they still have at least two three weeks my concept of time is going away from me but they have <laughs> they have a bit they have a bit before that the the fire fest event extravaganza right to me it's like you can have penelope pin chris statlander in this match next week Penelope beats Chris Statlander in a singles match. She's building up her momentum. The third week, whatever the hell else you want to do. And then boom, she's ready to challenge Hikaru Shida. But I think this plays into Nate's point is that everything is about angle inflation. Everything is an angle. You can't just have, here's the next person who's in line for this title. And so let's have a challenge that makes sense from a competition perspective. So I maybe my criticism bleeds into yours. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the <laughs> the person that they would be doing that angle with right now is like MJF. Like, oh, he's the next highest person in the rankings and he's got all these quality wins in this promotion and he should probably get a title shot coming up and it's supposed to be wins and losses matter, rankings matter. Um, but his whole storyline right now is why the fuck isn't any of this mattering and why aren't I getting my title shot? So, uh, yeah, he's uh, a heel who's telling the truth right now. Which was also the pack storyline, right? <laughs> yeah. They continually do this where the people who actually get quality wins, well, not everybody, but some of the people who actually get quality wins still don't get lined up for a title shot. Right. No, just Brian Cage is in there now because he he signed the contract at the correct time, the opportune time. <laughs> right. Well, you know. All right. That is Elite or Delete. Let's hit the ratings quickly. AEW uh, takes another dive down from 730000 to 677,000, a 0.23 in the demo, down from a 0.29, which was good for 14th in the demo. NXT right on their heels in total viewers with a 673,000 viewers, a smaller dip for them. Uh, they also dipped in the demo down to a 0.16, so AW still has a healthy lead there. That was good for 35th in the demo. Yeah, this was a this is the first week this actually felt like it was like a summer TV pattern. Like when this came out. Earlier today, I like it took me a bit after I recorded everything to kind of get my thoughts together on this. But you know, nothing on network did very well. Like they had a they had an airing of Big Hero Six, and that was like the big thing on American Network TV. The challenge ended up winning the night in the demo, which 
that still blows my mind each week for the challenge. There's so many people who still watch Road Rules Real World Challenge, but that's where the world we live in. NASCAR did pretty well, but I think that's like when their last races and cable TV. The news is just with everything going on and still going on. Just kind of dominates everything. This kind of like puts AEW to how things were before Double or Nothing, which is a little bit. I don't know how it's like where they were like four weeks ago. So is it something that they're going to slide back or this is going to be like a kind of like a guideline for the summer? We'll have to see. I mean, it's just I mean, we're in the summer and that's like my big takeaway from this week. All right. Those are the ratings. I really don't have anything to add to that. We'll see. There's just nothing really to talk about with it. Like nope. there's, there's not much interesting. Like I went pouring over like the demos and all of that. And it's just kind of, you know, uh, they, the one thing that I've noticed that was pretty significant is last week they were at a 0.18 in people 18 to 34 and they're down to 0.1 this week. That's a, that tells you that it's summertime pretty much. So not much to say. All right, well, moving down to the the rundown of the show, as we've talked about, the show kicked off with FTR defeating Butcher and the Blade. FTR arrived in the truck from their debut, baby. And uh, they won the match when Dash pinned Blade after an assisted pile driver, which they're calling the Mind Breaker. Uh, and did you catch what they're calling the Shatter Machine now, Aaron? The Good Night Express. The Good Night Express. Bad name, IMO. You don't like the Good Night Express? What no, about man. it when your favorite member of the Up Up Girls does it? Then it's good. Say Jack the Name from Raku. They right, but, but the Good Night Express, the real Good Night Express, is built around sleeping. <laughs> and yeah. like and moving in like a train motion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes complete sense. It's literal. Right. Yeah, this, I mean, and, and we got to see Aja Kong take part in the Goodnight Express. I mean, that's that's a big deal. That's big business. This is just, yeah. you know. No, a little, and, and Shatter Machine was already, that name was one of the better parts of their act. That was a yeah. good name for a move. Agreed, good name. I'm not sure why they changed it, um, but I hope they're paying royalties to the Up Up Girls. Um, well, I, they, and I also, I wonder if they also took Mindbreaker from, uh, from Japanese. But I'll, it, I'll leave that alone. But it's something like it's a uh, assisted pile driver. Like we've seen spike pile drivers for so long. Calling yours a mind breaker is just really try hard. And like this is like another thing about like FTR and this promotion has been very weird to me, but interesting in a way. Like they still have their their old truck, which I find charming. I think I think they should lug that truck to every arena that they drive down in the ring in the old truck with the with that song, like that entrance song was something. So like, I don't know. I've turned the corner on the truck. The truck's the, great. The, the double down on the stupid truck. Yeah. Now I like it, even though it is stupid. I, I just, I let myself get excited about FTR coming in and now like seeing them for a couple of weeks, I'm remembering why I never liked them. <laughs> well, just... they had, <laughs> but they had, their match was good. Oh yeah. No, the match was good. It was just like, yeah. it's just not for me. It's not my thing. Like, they were posting all the stuff on socials, which was like, we're not going to do any leg slaps and we're not, our match isn't going to be pretty. And I'm like, I'm so bored with this. Like, it's so tiring. Well, Dave Dave fucking butchered him on the podcast. He's talking about, Oh yeah. I mean, uh, talking about, Oh, Mr. Wrestling Two. talking about Mr. Wrestling Two and all his spots. He wouldn't slap his leg. He would slap the opponent, their back when he was doing moves to him to do the exact same thing. It's like, Oh really? He's, 
Mr. Wrestling 2 doing too many slaps for your guys' liking, let alone sure. the you know stomp punches that have been going since the 30s, just stupid oh, right. culture war stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think about like somebody they always talk about, Bret Hart, who did like the best stomp punch. I mean, he just fucking nailed it every time. I mean, so it's just, it's it's basically like the dummies who respond to every tweet with whatever they heard on Jim Cornette's podcast. Like that's what their what their promos sound like. So that's just frustrating to me. But it's like Goodnight Express. How many things, this stupid fucking song of theirs, how many things can we shoehorn in that tie us somehow to the Midnights, the Rock and ooh, Rolls, ooh. The, the Fantastics, whatever. It just sucks ass. I just realized what their fucking theme song reminds me of. Oh, yeah. Uh, that. Okay. Uh, you guys remember the rapper The Game? Yes, yes of course. Of course, and naturally. How literally 80% of his lyrics were just talking about Dr. Dre? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that's FDR. Yeah. They don't have... <laughs> the Game never carved out his own identity. He had the one feature on the 50 Cent track. <laughs> Everything else is like, I'm just going to name rappers that I really like. Here's all the old rappers that are really cool to me. Um. And that that was bad. Uh, and that's that's what FDR reminds me of. It's like these fucking old wrestlers—they're really neat, and I'm, I'm going to wrestle like them. They're the, they're the game of Southern Fried tag teams. I, I mean, if they're going to like pick a Southern tag team to, to tag team, like they should tag team like my favorite team, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnoodle. I mean, we got to get them in a cage. They got to be a lot bloody bleeding in Greensboro. Like, if you're going to go choose that, like Midnight Express is done. Like rock and rolls are still here. Rock and roll is never going to die. So, do you? Goddamn right. Yeah, or do like the Fantastics. Like, choose like something completely different. Like, come out in the full like top coat and tail. Don't ape some old act. Well, well, I'm saying don't be the game who's just doing uh, Dr. Dre cosplay or whatever. I guess it'd be more like Snoop, you know, a Dr. Dre protege cosplay. Yeah. Do your own. You know, that can be your your era or your your aesthetic. It just doesn't have to be so explicit where you're just, uh, oh, you know, to quote to quote the hottest thing in the business, you know, the real marks are in the back. And you're just like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm just I'm just a mark for these old wrestlers. How about just like be a star wrestler instead? I got to agree. I, I would never have expected you to make the comparison to the game, but it is honestly and I God, I fucking hate to, to blow you up here, Nate, but it's honestly a perfect comparison. Great analogy. Good. I mean, I listened, I listened to a lot of the game. Yeah, the, the Doctor's Advocate was like pretty listenable. Oh, I like the game, but there's no <laughs> doubt that, like, like you said, eighty percent of his lines are just references to other right. shit. You guys remember Nas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, geez, the game. I'll go listen. Dreams was the game song that I really liked. Hmm. Wouldn't get far. Had the Kanye produce that was good. Yeah. Uh, 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 the Just Blaze had the long, like, 12 minute opus at the end. That was also pretty good. Yeah. No, game. He's like, he's got a great voice and I, he's got a great flow. It's just the, the lyrics were yeah, always. Don't care to hear what he says at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The game. All right. Uh, you know, basketball legend, the game. Um, um, uh, don't, don't know the, the reference. Played in college. Oh, no kidding. At the University of Southern California. He did? He did. Huh. The game. All right. After the match, FTR cut a promo. They say this is the pinnacle of professional and tag team wrestling. The Bucks come out. They say they wanted to congratulate FTR. They thought the match was great. Thanks for helping us out of that jam a couple weeks ago when Butcher and Blade attacked. 
said, but you failed to properly introduce yourself to us. I was afraid they were doing a Booker T joke here. I was like, okay, we do enough of these bits about shit that everybody knows happened. But that's he for not sure did not play basketball for Southern California. I think he did. No. He went to... Uh, uh, just had it. Uh, uh, Antelope Valley College, Harbor Community College, and Cerritos College. Are you thinking of Lil Romeo? <laughs> Lil Romeo did have a scholarship at USC, but I don't think... I'm not sure he ever played. Uh, Lil Romeo was... You know, he was buddies with uh, DeMar DeRozan. Hmm. So they signed Lil Romeo, hoping to get DeMar. All right, well, maybe I'm wrong. But he did play at, he was a big-time high school player at Compton High School. Uh, this says he earned a scholarship to Washington State. Oh, but he only um, lasted one semester at Washington State. Trying to think of the Washington State. They're not the Huskies, Washington's they're, there. They're the Cougars. The Cougars. Cougars. And they're in Pullman, Washington. Have you... Nate, what do you know about Pullman, Washington? Uh, of course, named <laughs> after the actor Bill Pullman. Yes. Uh, and their chief crop of export is the soybean. You, you know, that actually surprised me that you knew about the soybean. So there you go. Uh, Bill Pullman is a proud Fort Worth. Totally made that up. Yeah. Oh, no, he's not from there. I always get Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton mixed up. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're most known for getting mixed up for each other. Yeah, that's yeah. What they're Bill, famous for. Bill Paxson's from Fort Worth, Texas, and he is a he was a very chill guy. That's all I have to contribute right here. Well, the game, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I mean, I guess I gassed up your basketball career. <laughs> but, uh, sorry for getting that wrong. Uh, and for any big Washington State fans who are listening, I'm also sorry. Oh, oh yeah. The other thing about Washington State fans is that they will outdrink every other college sports team. Like they also. They have at least one fan at every college game day, and they, yep. they wave the Washington State flag. But no, there's legit stories of like chartered flights from Pullman to like the Rose Bowl, where they drank out the flight. Like the flight was chartered and it was prepared for them. They still drank all the alcohol on the flight. I think I think the Washington State fans are fascinating because, as far as I know, they've never won anything. Really? No, no, no. But the fans are are diehard. So I mean, you got to respect it. I mean, what else you have to do in Pullman? Uh, Washington. I mean, come on. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at arena club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an arena club slab pack and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah, you can open it and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. 
And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, Matt is the one who's talking at the beginning of this promo. He says, I'm Matt, which, you know, I was appreciative of that. This is my brother, Nick. We've been carrying tag team wrestling on our back for the last decade. We're the best tag team in AEW. We're the Young Bucks. It's nice to meet you, finally. Uh, Before they can shake hands, the Butcher attacks again. FTR helps them. Then the British Basement Boys attack and Omega and Page come out. So we have the entire tag division. Here's my question. Were the Young Bucks shading heel here in this promo? No. This is their, this is their alignment is being dickheads. They've always been this way. Yeah, I don't. I, I think this feud exists outside of any other alignments between these teams, I think, because it's been such a long building thing. Uh, that's my guess. I do, you know, they're building a sort of thing here where both teams now have offered their hands to the other team and then neither has actually managed to shake the other team's hand. So, you know, one presumes we're only going to get that handshake after we actually have the match. So they're, you know, adding a little thing to keep your eye on there. Um, If I'm going to complain about something, the British Basement Boys, their attack, that I can see being premeditated. They were like, okay, these tag teams are wrestling. We just lost our title shot. We need to get our names back out there. Let's go and take the golf carts all the way to the arena from the locker room and lie in wait for this match to be over. Omega and Paige were out there immediately, which totally exposed the idea that the locker room is very far away from the ring. Um, and just, yeah, again, seems like lazy sort of, hey, put all the teams in the ring together. Why not? I don't mind if the story exists outside of normal alignments, but they should tell a story that makes some sort of sense that has like some basis in narrative. And so far it doesn't because uh, the FT or the FTR promo from two weeks ago was like the dickish heel promo. And then the Bucks did this exact same thing in this promo. And I just, I don't know who I'm supposed to root for. I don't know why I'm supposed to care. I'm just very confused about the story at this point. Yeah, I think that's, I don't think they were supposed to be shaded as heels. I think that's just kind of how Matt Jackson always sounds. You know, he just has one of those voices where it's like he kind of always sounds a little prickish or something. He might just be a dick. If you're listening, Matt, I'm sorry. Um, 
I'd like to apologize. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 you know, it's made his family quite a lot of money. That, That's that, true. That, that being part of their character. So I'm sure he's not stressed about it. The natural nightmares, Allie and Brandy, are backstage with Dasha Fuentes. Dasha announces that the natural nightmares will have a title match against Omega and Paige next week. Natural nightmares are number one in the tag rankings. So that does make sense. Um, Allie is wearing a nightmare family jacket with Allie stitched on the chest. Brandy's pissed about this. QT says, she's in the family. She's my girl. And Dustin is upset with QT. Tells him he needs his head in the game because he's already been a multiple-time tag team champion. So he knows this is a huge opportunity. He says, you got to get Allie out of your system because next week she won't be ringside with us. There's one thing that has to happen, and that is an episode of Shot of Brandy of Allie. Hmm. I agree. I, I, I mean, this is one of my favorite things going on in the promotion. I love... QT, divorced dad, Marshall, just learning the diamond cutter, renting a car, and just being ridiculous. I mean, midlife crisis QT is like a funny, that is a funny character bit, but this is extremely frustrating. Um, the best friends get, won their title shot, and then two teams are going to get title shots before they are. That's stupid. They've done this before, though. Okay, it's still stupid. <laughs> it was stupid when they did it before, too. Um, and Allie is the bunny. Nobody, nobody's talking about this. <laughs> um, and QT is married. QT is canonically married on the show. Uh, Vintown, our follower, brought up the clip from Dark where QT talked about his wife. Allie is married canonically on the show. To the butcher. No, to the blade. It's just super fucking dumb. Yeah, I got to agree that the, the Allie thing does kind of irritate me. I did not remember that QT had mentioned that he was married on the show. That's very funny. Um, the only thing I will say for this is the Natural Nightmares, even though I think it's bizarre, ended up number one in the rankings. And by God, they're getting a match with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega without yeah. an angle. Sure, I guess. But shouldn't, shouldn't when the best friends win the number one contenders match, shouldn't that just affix them at the top of the rankings? That we there have explicitly been named the number one contenders, but they're still like number three. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. The rankings are bad. They're bad. Mike left. Yeah, Mike's. Oh, he really <laughs> did leave. I thought you were yeah. just joking about him uh, being quiet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I thought on, he's back. Uh, we did have a way on Twitter to fix this as if just anybody would lampshade this and call attention to it. I think they've referenced it on BTE. I understand that maybe it's been mentioned on, Di on Dark, but on Dynamite, nobody will. Just have like Brandy go, are you fucking stupid, dude? First of all, you're married. First of all, that's the bunny. She's married to the guy on the other team. And then if he's like still so fucking caught up in the uh, apple eating allure of Allie, that he can't see past that and still, you know, wants to, you know, flirt with her or whatever. That that just accentuates the funny midlife crisis bit for QT, right? But they just they just want they're trying to pretend it's not happening instead or whatever, and it's very frustrating. Next up was the women's tag match: Nyla Rose and Penelope Ford defeated Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. Penelope pinned Shida with a fisherman suplex after hitting her with the belt. I think we've, we've talked about this at some length, but I thought this was a really good match. I enjoyed it. Go sign. Yeah, no, right. this, was, this was a lot of fun. You know, this was one of the matches that, you know, had wide variance, and I felt like it came out pretty well. And, you know, Penelope Ford, I know it talks about Cole Cabana being like the MVP. Penelope Ford's probably the most improved wrestler in the promotion 
over the first half of the year. So I'm t- other than like how they've kind of built this up, I'm happy that it's Penelope Ford getting looking like getting into the program rather than rehashing Chris Statlander again. So I'm glad that they're giving her this opportunity. Darby Allen was with Tony Hawk in a video. Tony says, you know, Darby might not be cleared for wrestling, but he's cleared for skateboarding. And then for some reason, we see Darby try to jump off the top of a ladder and land on a skateboard down a ramp like 10 times, but he fucks it up all the times. Until, for some reason. Yeah. Until he puts this, on... This is integral to the, to the segment and to Darby's character for some reason. Until he puts is, on I mean, his nipple is, shirt and classic, jacket. This is classic skate video stuff where you attempt to attempt a spot or attempt a trick like a dozen times and then you land it and everybody freaks out. But it, the reason it works so well is because it's Darby's character, uh, you know, uh, 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 summarized just, you know, he, he takes a fucking dozen falls, takes all these brutal looking hard bumps and just keeps getting back up and keeps trying it. And then eventually lands it. It was funny that the time he landed, it was like, oh, well, let's perfectly shoot one with you in your gear and having Tony Hawk in the foreground watching. Let's make sure we do that for the time you actually land it. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's the the best part of the segment is that Darby takes all those nasty looking bumps before he hits it. I like the fact that they not only like did this like a skate video, they actually like did the special, they did like the post effects like a skate video. Like they made sure that it had like the low, the low frames per second and the black and white and kind of washed out. Like it looked perfectly like escape video. And I thought that that was very true to it. And I mean, Hey, Tony Hawk, put Darby in the game. I know I've said this before, put, put Darby in the game. We don't need Bam or Jera. Put in Tony, put in Darby. It would have been better if there was a camera at the very base of the ladder with a fisheye lens on it. Oh, absolutely. To get it from that angle. That, that would have made the segment even better. It's just like the dunk contest for me in that by the time he actually hits it, I don't give a shit anymore. And if it's going to be more like a skate video, he needs to eat shit harder. I want to see something that looks really gnarly. But Have you fallen off use a skate word. Have you fallen off a ladder onto a skateboard? That might have been really gnarly shit, though. You just can't, it just doesn't look impressive. Had some hard, hard falls. Yeah. Well, his whole thing is he's a fucking pro wrestler who's supposed to be able to do things that make it look like it really hurts. So do it. Uh, this very obviously looked like it hurt to me. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. Terrible takes. Before next show, Bentley, get up on a ladder with a skateboard and. I'm not Darby this. Allen. I'm not a fucking pro wrestler. Then don't say what's what looks real. What looks fake. That's what we do on the show every episode. Better idea to just watch like some old skate videos because yeah. Fun. I got no interest. You you can tell who on this show was really into skate videos and who wasn't. I was definitely never into skate videos. Yeah. Not for a second of my life. And I wasn't into this. And I like Darby, but I thought this sucked shit. A good video that was on this show was the next one, which was Britt Baker. And she said, what makes her a role model is her presence in AEW. Just coming out to the ring is inspiring to everyone. She said she's exhausted of Big Swole's attitude. She says, all we hear about is Big Swole's struggle. Well, she's also struggled because she's faced unexpected troubles her whole life, like a microbiology test she hadn't studied for, but she aced it. And then we see her uh, pushing the wheelchair, pulling a weight behind her. She's having a hard time, but Rebel picks it up for her and helps. That's basically the, the brunt of the video. Another good, another good Brit video. Brit knocks it out of the park again. The best friends and Orange Cassidy, Mr. 9 p.m. Orange Cassidy, 
defeated Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager. Orange Cassidy pinned Santana. Yeah, like this was a match that I, I was really hoping because of Jake Hager being involved. Like this was the one I was like, oh, this could probably go really badly because how and it, how bad Jake Hager has been in the promotion. But I think having him in on trios matches where he's just kind of like the hoss that comes in and is only needed to be do stuff like three or four minutes was like the perfect use for them here. And then, yeah, Orange Cassie r- remains the, the person that you want to have in your peak quarter hours. So I'll be interested to see if that held up this week. After the match, Jericho rushed to the ring from commentary, hit people with his bat. The inner circle beat down everyone. And then Jericho got a bag of oranges, hit Orange Cassidy with it. Orange gigged. He's bleeding everywhere. And Chris Jericho quips that blood Orange Cassidy has just been juiced. This probably should have been my elite pick. I, I think I overthought <laughs> it. This was probably the best thing on the show was this angle. And, you know, maybe it was just the angle inflation that kind of turned me off of choosing it. But tremendous angle. This was inner circle going back to being like vicious killers, but still having a flair for the amusing or the dramatic or whatever and making it personal and making it specific to Orange Cassidy in a fun way. Uh, you know, Brandon with the bat and then beats him with the bag of oranges. I think you could tell from the way that Orange was preparing to take those hits from the oranges that they probably really hurt. Right, he didn't want to take that on the head at all. He was, you know, cowering away from that. Um, and then, you know, just the the details of the the guys like biting into oranges after the fact and having it all drip down their faces was just all tremendous, tremendous content. Aaron, have you been hit by a bag of oranges before? I haven't, and yet I could tell that this would hurt. Okay, just checking. I I, I thought this was great. I thought that uh, Jericho doing the You Got Juice glide. I don't know if he's aware of the O.J. Simpson prank show juice or not, or he's just because he seems like do you think he knows about that show? I think he could or couldn't. I'm not sure I know about that show. I don't know about it. O.J. Simpson tried to make a prank show like punked, but it was called Juiced. (laughs) What era of O.J. Simpson was this? Oh, this, this, this is like before he went to prison the last time. Okay. Oh, but after. Well, well, but what about. Yes. Yeah. But after he was acquitted for the murders. So. But but after he was also found liable. It was after huh. the second lawsuit. But before he went to jail for the heist he had at one of the Fertia Brothers casinos. That, uh, I think. You know, I just want to say on that particular point, on that particular issue, O.J. Innocente. Uh, on getting back his Heisman Trophy, should never have gone to prison for that. It was insane. Did you ever see the ESPN like, documentary? Like burst in with a, with a cadre of armed guards. It was his, but it was something that he left in a storage unit because if you've seen OJ Made in America, they actually go really in depth into what happened with this. He basically got schemed out of his trophy, and then the guy who like said, "Oh wait, I have your trophy now." Because like he, it was in one of his uh, storage units, and it was supposed to be sold for the Goldman family as right. part it's of the like, civil lawsuit. It's probably, it's probably her estates more than it too. Yeah, yeah. And it's OJ one, was going to retrieve it and then sell it to go to the Goldman estate. I don't. Or no, the, uh, he was trying Brown to get Simpson it. estate. There's no doubt about that. That's the record is clear on this, Mike. Come on. I mean, all I'll say is that <laughs> the documentary puts things in a light that he's kind of set up for this to be a sting operation against him. I kind of think that documentary sucked. Have you seen it? Yes. Of I, course. You know, why, so, why would I say it sucked if I hadn't seen it, Mike? I mean, you could just be making broad declarations <laughs> without consuming the content. 
<laughs> I would never do that. I would definitely never do that. <laughs> it's long. It's a long documentary. Yeah, I'm trying. I can't remember exactly why I didn't like it now, but I definitely thought it was bad. It, <laughs> it, it, it's definitely too long for me to even consider. What yeah. four hours? Four episodes? No, ten hours. No, fuck, super fuck that. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see if I can. I've done takes on it. Um, okay. <laughs> so back from OJ. Uh, Tony Schiavone is with Billy Gunn. MJF interrupts and he says, I've been defe- undefeated for over a year. I have the dynamite diamond ring. I've been number one for three straight weeks. Why is Jungle Boy getting a title shot? And backstage, I met with only bad looks because everyone knows that no matter how good they get, they'll hit the ceiling. Me, I'm a great white shark in a company full of minnows. Billy, not sure about this line, says, I'm a great white. <laughs> And MJF insults the young guns. I how long has there been a second Billy Gunn son? I didn't know about it till this day. I'm still unaware. Of, this might be something that they've made up. This could be new. <laughs> this could be new canon right now, guys. I think there was a family resemblance. Um, I was very amused by setting this angle up, just because it's very funny to me to like. Let's go interview Billy Gunn at ringside. <laughs> child <laughs> with his large adult son who basically cheers and wears a Karashita's ring jacket this is uh this is like when they set up that angle between billy gunn and kitamura in new japan and never paid it <laughs> off we're gonna we're gonna have the promise of that angle fulfilled with billy gunn versus mjf he's had such a wild like last decade getting getting an iwgp intercontinental title shot in on the first Big Japan show, or not Big Japan, what the fuck? The first New Japan show in America to now like having weird feuds with MJF, like just living his life, I guess, Billy Gunn. Compare him to how like Road Dog is looking right now. I mean, MJF's going to beat him, right? Which is like, yeah, going to be pretty amusing. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest take I can track down is I was especially mad about how the, OJ documentary handled the blood evidence. Yeah. They they continuously called it OJ's blood. You know, they found OJ's blood at the scene. But if you, you know, all the trial stuff that they showed, the the DNA experts that they used were these assholes who say, like, there's only one in one billion people who this could have matched. And it turns out, of course, that DNA doesn't work that way. And now, you know, that's been exposed. But the uh the documentary just Went right along with it. Like, oh, no, this proved, actually, that that it was OJ's blood. Yeah, I have to say, on the documentary that's 10 hours long, the most interesting things were not around the case. It was, like, his backstory, like, through his NFL career up until the trial, and then everything after the trial. Like, the trial stuff on this documentary, by far, is, like, the weakest point. Like, like if you want to watch stuff about the trial, go watch the version of the uh, American crime story with David Schwimmer playing Robert. <laughs> Juice. Yeah, that, that was Juice. <laughs> I did enjoy that. But yeah, I agree. The, the early stuff was pretty interesting. And the whole thing about OJ, like not wanting to be uh, con- seen as black, like doing everything he could to try to seem like a white person. You know, I just thought that was all fascinating. You have the prosecutors all straight up saying, they think they did everything right, and just the jury was too dumb to understand the evidence. <laughs> and like, just classic, great prosecution mindset you get to see. Yeah, yeah. I that. don't think Marsha Clark thinks that she's done anything wrong the entire time. Oh, I'm sure not. I'm sure not. Uh, there was a video recapping the Dark Order uh, Colt Cabana recruitment, 
And then Sammy Guevara defeated Colt Cabana with the GTH. After the match, the entire Dark Order came out, including Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. And then Brody Lee came down to help Colt up. Colt let him help him up, but then shied away from him. JR said he helped him up to his feet. Is that a metaphor for something bigger? Is it metaphorical, King? <laughs> Great line. Uh, Colt, I didn't, I didn't have never noticed this on the show, but I guess the faces come in one entrance and the heels come in the other entrance. This is straight from Dragon Gate, right? I mean, like, that's not just a Dragon Gate thing. Like, New Japan, the red, the red entrance usually oh, yeah. is the babyface side. So it's usually oh, the right yeah, sides on different sides of Corican, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. I just never noticed that in AEW. But anyway, Colt went out the other exit, and Jr. pointed it out to us, so hmm. we would all know. Uh, then Sammy got a promo. He says he's the best wrestler in AEW. Matt Hardy quickly interrupted him, pleasing Nate very much. <laughs> and Sammy says, "Why are you interrupting my win?" Matt says, "I'm here to say I respect you. You remind me of a young me." with your never-say-die attitude, how you always get back up. You're the future of AEW. But to maximize your potential, you have to get away from Chris Jericho. Trust me when I say that. Sammy says, why would he trust Matt Hardy? Matt Hardy tried to kill him twice. And then we get a matter of fact. Matt says he's an excellent driver, actually. And Sammy says he doesn't know if Matt is dumb, stupid, or broken. And then we get broken Matt Hardy, who says, I must step in the ring because these events must be documented. I'm going to eat you. And then he does the delete thing. Yeah, I also, I guess I misspoke also when I said that every angle on this show worked because this didn't really work for me. It's just uh, something. <laughs> oh, go ahead, A.B. I'm, I don't know. It's like, I like the Matt Hardy Sammy thing. I think that's mm -hmm. interesting. I like the idea that eventually they might pull Sammy away from Inner Circle and let him off to do his own thing. I think it's too soon for that, but that's what AEW does is good angles slightly too soon. So that, <laughs> you know, I'll just deal with that. Uh, but once this devolved into Broken Matt Hardy, it was not on the on the path that you want to be on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's, you know, you need to stay away from Chris Jericho. That's like a, an interesting little twist to put on it. But yeah, I don't He, I, Sammy started referencing his other characters that made Matt turn into them. It was just like, turned me off. It, it's something that... This goes on something I said a couple of weeks back on. We're going to find a way that eventually there's going to be that AEW trios tournament. And Matt Hardy is going to be on a quarter of the teams. So There's different personalities. And one of them sounds like it's going to be like Samuel Guevara. And I don't know, Brandon Cutler. <laughs> as the uh, as version one Matt. And of course, as we see later, Team Extreme Matt will be with Private Party. Brandon Cutler could do the, um, what's the earlier iteration of Matt Hardy? Oh, Surge? Yeah, I feel like Brandon Cutler could pull off that look. The Janela video was next. He's sitting at a bar. He says he came to AEW to become a star, and he went from wrestling John Moxley in a main event to just waiting in the darkness. He says sometimes he feels like his best moments in wrestling are behind him, and that's when we see the Zandig bump on the, uh, on the building in the background. He says in the last six months or so, he's lost his direction. He starts to cross the street, and Sonny Kiss pulls up in a very nice-looking car. Uh, Janela gets in Sonny's car and it says to be continued on the screen. Yeah, this ruled. Like, this is, I'm excited to see where this goes for goes to. I'm guessing this might have been a Nick Mondo video in a way, just with how it's kind of shot and the stuff we've seen, how Nick Mondo has shot things before for the company. So I hope that, like, this is a, a strong reboot, as I said earlier on the show, and I'm interested to see where it goes. 
Dasha meets up with, or Dasha meets up with Colt backstage. He's about to walk into Brody Lee's dressing room, and he does. And the door shuts behind him. Alex Marvez is with John Moxley. Mox says he's in a bad mood. It's not just because he's in pain. He's in a bad mood because he has no patience for people who run their mouths when they have no idea what they're talking about. He says he's uh, referring to Taz, who's been telling everyone who will listen that Brian Cage is going to beat him at Fighter Fest. And if Taz was trying to get under Mox's skin, it worked. But what separates Mox from the pack at AW is he is one miserable son of a bitch. The fact that Brian Cage and Taz think Cage can beat me pisses him off. And that's what drives him and it makes him more violent. And Taz shows up. He does lampshade it, as Nate will be very happy about, and says he heard this on his, from his trailer. And so he could hear Mox chirping, tells Mox to get his head right because he's getting put out at Fighter Fest. Cage attacks him from behind, a spine buster on the hood of a Chevy Cruze. Taz tries to stop him, tells him we're done. We've sent a message. Let's go. But Cage picks up Mox, throws him onto the back windshield of the car, and busts the window. This was like the Moxley and Taz energy and confrontation that I wanted in their in-ring confrontation last week, I think, where it was like Mox at high energy cutting this good promo, and then Taz comes up and they sort of match each other and go back and forth. So, yeah, th- this was one of the better angles. And then, you know, car shit always gets over, so why not? I think they need to have a Street Fighter match. They need to wreck cars. Oh, where they, they each get a car and whoever smashes it first wins the belt? I mean, just in general, I just want to see people wreck cars. Seeing cars get wrecked is fun, you know? And I'm assuming they are Shad Khan's cars. It takes away from his wealth <laughs> for our enjo- for our enjoyment. But, but it does take away from his wealth, but does not benefit anyone else. <laughs> well, I guess our enjoyment. But Our enjoyment, I mean, <laughs> like any time. benefit anyone else. I mean, who doesn't want to see, like, people get thrown into cars or see cars get blown up? Like, it's a good time. Like, let's just watch cars get beaten It's like when Elon Musk launched a car into space or whatever. My dad, like, sent me a video of it. He's like, this is your future. Like, it's amazing <laughs> what's happening with technology now. I just looked at it and it's like, this is fucking the dumbest shit. It's try hard. It's giant dumbass launching cars into space for no fucking reason. I felt really bad about it, but I was pretty annoyed that the space launch thing worked. Yeah. <laughs> you want the, the manned space launch? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you wanted people to die on the. I mean, this. I didn't want people to die. Really, I just wanted it like not to go at all. You know, so, just like, like, oh, just won't fucking go. Like a, they, the astronauts are suddenly like shot out of an ejector seat yeah. in the rocket and then the rocket explodes. Yeah, that would have been cool. Okay, that's fair because like I, I don't begrudge the astronauts in this situation. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. They're just trying to do astronaut things, you know, but I was like, I have like lists on my Twitter, you know, for the, the shit that I follow that I don't want to just be on my, I don't want it to be on my timeline. I just want to be able to, like, I have an F1 list. So if I just want to read stuff about F1, I go to that list. And it's just, like, guys like that, like Will Buxton is the main guy who is just, like, Buxton this, sucks. this is so inspiring. <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm, like, my pants are wet. I'm so excited about seeing the visionary that is at Elon Musk working with at NASA to make hashtag SpaceX a real thing. You know, and it's, like, fuck off nate uh buxton is like will buxton is like the dumbest person like i'm trying to think of like the the good college football analogy for him or best nba analogy 
like he's just like a really dumb person so of course he likes <laughs> and, and yeah. he's he's like fucking he's like reggie miller or something you know? hmm. except I mean, that's a, that's totally a a rovell-esque tweet for sure yeah oh no no <laughs> yeah actually that's dead on he is the dead <laughs> rovell of f1 yeah. he's the worst person on anything on brand him. partnership yeah. <laughs> yeah he's the worst <laughs> He's the fucking worst in all the F1 documentaries. He's the worst whenever they like you see something that Will Buxton says. You, I just immediately go, oh, fuck off. So, of course, he is just all about Elon Musk here. You, you know, uh, imagine how insane it is to be like astronauts. And you've been in the program now. Like you were learning on the space shuttle. And you found out, oh, wait. You're going to be going up on Elon Musk's fucking thing. Like, imagine like like having to like prepare yourself to dealing with that asshole. Fucking tweets. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Here it is. It's actually better. Okay. But I even made fun of it. Okay, so he posted a. I guess this was later, but he posted an Instagram picture where he had done a live chat with Pierre Gasly, who's an F1 driver, and he says. Totally rocked by hashtag launch America, hashtag Hurley ground crew at NASA at SpaceX, hashtag DM2 t shirt while interviewing at Pierre Gasly today. Fuck at, off. At Astro Doug, who's an astronaut. Yeah, he's one of the astronauts who was on the who's on the the dragon. And at Astro Banken. So I guess he tagged both the astronauts <laughs> in this awful fucking tweet. Uh... Did you, did you... Well, I will not be sleeping tonight. So amped. Can't help feeling today is the start of something special. See y'all <laughs> on Mars for my 55th birthday. Yeah? At NASA. At SpaceX. <laughs> ah! it's, it's brutal. Yeah. So I just, that's why I wish it would have failed. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, no. Totally understand. Like, I just hope that Astro Doug in yeah. this failure does not die. Because he had he got assigned to be on Elon Musk's fucking rocket ship. Sure. No, shouts to Astro Doug. Uh, you know, <laughs> much loved Astro Doug. Doug. Yeah, much loved Astro Doug. Um, keep shining. I <laughs> really looking forward to your Instagram pic. That's like had to grind for this view from Mars. <laughs> so you know, keep doing your thing. But um, we do wish the shuttle had blown up with you on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't he must have deleted. I can't find the tweet he did that was like he did these really bad tweets about uh Black Lives Matter that was just like Oh no, like that's that's, that's like the most latest dumb shit thing. Like, well, yeah. Fox is terrible. It was just like, you know, rioting is bad or whatever, and like we should all love each other. And then the next morning he had to do this tweet that was like, um, I'm I'm really sorry for like if if my intentions came across poorly like I, I'm gonna do better or whatever but it was like worse than that and he seems to have deleted it but it was it was bad anyway Will Buxton talk on on the podcast as usual there was a video recapping the TNT Championship Open Challenge all one week of it and hyping up Mark Quinn and then for the TNT Championship Cody defeated Mark Quinn Isaiah Cassidy and Matt Hardy walked Quinn out so more. Or Matt Hardy, uh, really playing into to Mike's ideas here. And uh, then Cody would win the match with a calf crusher. This match, we didn't talk too much about it. Uh, for someone like uh, like Mark Quinn, who said like he's, his last singles match was like three years ago. Like this was like, you could tell that this is a guy who's inexperienced. You could tell that there was the movement from like spot to spot to spot, especially this. But like you saw things there that, that 
definitely like given how private party has been over the last few months, I thought this was a very encouraging match for Mark Quinn and a definite step forward. I mean, like that DDT is still breaking my brain, like how they did this and makes you really excited. And I thought like that they, that he did a great job at times selling like the ankle and then Cody choosing to do like that, like trailer hitch style calf crusher was looking really nasty. So I like, this was the match I was most worried about on the show and I came away with really liking it. Yeah, I uh, pretty much same reaction. I I didn't have super high expectations uh, and was a little concerned about maybe, you know, we've seen some of those private party tag matches can seem pretty disjointed or whatever on accounts of just, uh, you know, uh, lack of experience on that level, maybe. Uh, And they didn't particularly put Mark Quinn in like a great spot to succeed, like pretty high degree of difficulty here where he's in the main event in a title match. and the whole story of the match is going to be about uh, taking away what he's best known for, which is all his high flying stuff. Uh, and I guess they kind of cheated that because he, he pretty much still did all of it. He just, uh, you know, sold really well while he was doing it. So uh, can't be mad about that. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was a, a definitely an outing for, for Mark Quinn in particular that sort of exceeded my expectations. And I was uh, pretty entertained throughout, you know, got to the level where I was like rooting for him and was like, man, you know, obviously they shouldn't take the belt off Cody at this point, but like, I wouldn't really be mad if they like did a big upset or something here. It'd kind of be neat. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Also, if it's a title that is literally going to be defended on TV every week, you can absolutely pass it around and it doesn't really hurt the title uh, that much. So yeah, I agree. It would have been kind of fun, but uh, establish it first and we'll see where it goes from there. After the match, Jake Hager came out he attacked Arn or started to attack Arn. Uh, Cody came in to try to help him, but he gets slammed away. Private Party and Matt Hardy come out to make the save. They clear out Hager, but then Santana and Ortiz and Sammy Guevara come out. Everybody's brawling, baby. Uh, the good guys seem to come out on top. Hardy hits Sammy with a twist of fate. Cody gets on the mic, says, Jake, I think I know what you're asking. Do you want a TNT title match at Fighter? You got it. So I thought about, I mean, I almost deleted this. It's like, I was already pissed when Hager came out because it's like, what are we doing with this open challenge? Like, what's happening here? But now, this is, it's even worse <laughs> that they decided to book a match that's three weeks away, even though he's going to have to do at least two or three more of these challenge matches before that match happens. So if he loses the title, what, what's the match at Fighter Fest? Yeah, this is a lot more egregious than I think about the best friends thing, just automatically be locked into having the champions at Fighter Fest because it completely goes against Cody saying, oh, this is going to be an open challenge match. We didn't even have a single open challenge. We just announced that Mark Quinn was having the match this week. And then what are we going to be doing for the next two weeks? Are you going to be like setting up random title matches until then? Like, what's the point here? Yeah, and the other weird thing was Hager did not at any point vocalize that he wanted the match at Fighter Fest. <laughs> Cody just was like, it's like no, I want it next Nick. week, bitch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatever. At least we'll go to hear Jake Hager's thing. <laughs> I got him hurt. Hurt. Show the world I'm a jerk. Painmaker Posse. <laughs> Painmaker Posse. <laughs> Actually, we did talk about doing a show where I, I shouldn't I shouldn't spoil this, should I? No, 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 no. This they, we have a special surprise game show that we're gonna that we want to do with you on Patreon sometime. <laughs> okay. Is this gonna be like the uh, the dating game that you proposed? No, no, no. This is a fully realized game. <laughs> it's a fully realized game that 
that is a lot less convoluted and will not reference a dating show that had a canceled person on it. And can actually happen. Yeah, you know, something can, that multiple canceled people, I think. I'm oh sure. yeah, no, oh yeah, I forgot. I'm I sure. forgot about her being an anti-vaxer. Yeah, you're right. Wait, who was the other canceled person? Hardwick. Hardwick. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, Astro Doug, though he's cool. <laughs> no, uncancelable. <laughs> you can't cancel Astro Doug. All I, right, I, I'm going to make sure that he hasn't said anything problematic on Twitter right now. So y'all go ahead. Probably a good idea. <laughs> uh, Astro Doug up there in space tweeting about QAnon. <laughs> he's up there tweeting about how this actually proves the world is flat. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be cool to me, actually. <laughs> just as a as a troll for no other reason but to fuck with the remaining national psyche if you've really enjoyed this episode and you've listened along this long so you have to be enjoying it or you're hate listening i suppose you might want some more everything elite so head on over to patreon.com slash everything elite this week we put up lost on the mountain episode two my retrospective of smoky mountain wrestling which has gotten a lot of good feedback and honestly i'm not sure that anybody is watching along with it i think they just listen to the podcast so don't feel like you have to uh, watch this or have watched it in the past to listen. And then, of course, uh, Mike and I preview Dynamite every Wednesday on Light, and Nate hits us with a recap of every possible vlog. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> so uh, other stuff on the Patreon to, to pull you in. we got three tiers. $5, the middle tier, will get you every piece of audio we've ever done. Uh, we also have a Discord for our patrons where Mike and I do live chats during Dark and Dynamite and just generally uh, goof around in there. People are now making memes to try and uh, to tempt me into joining the Discord. Was this like a community effort or is this a, a rogue Discorder? Uh, there was some community effort to it, I would say. Mm. The community mm. was involved. I see. Yeah. Oh, we'd, we'd love to have you. The uh, The Discord is growing by the day. And we'd love to have more people in there. So sign up for our Patreon and come join us in the Discord. We are going to do some more fun stuff this month. So patreon.com slash everything elite. All right, I, next. I was going to oh, say, sorry. I have an Astro Doug update. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> so Doug Hurley, I have good news and bad news. The bad news oh. is that he's a former Marine Corps pilot, Naval test pilot. So he's a troop. So... Oh. Well, he test is. pilots are like almost scientists, right? Because they're doing testing. It, it's however you wish to interpret it that, that I way. Guess military scientists are still like pretty bad historically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah uh, Google uh, MK Ultra, folks. <laughs> uh, good news. Uh, he seems to be friends with Lewis Hamilton. Oh, well, that's good. And uh, who's that? Who's... He's an F1 driver. Oh. He's the only African American F1 or I guess not American, but uh, the only person of color who is an F1 driver. And he put out this whole thing about how irritated he was that nobody else in F1 was talking about Black Lives Matter while this was going on. And it led to several, at least of the younger drivers, being like, so the thing is, we're uh, dumb and we're afraid we're going to say something dumb. But here's like kind of what we think. And we're sorry, Lewis. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're trying. <laughs> it was very cute, actually. He's also six-time world champion. Yes. Yeah. He will probably. Well, I don't know. This season will be weird, but we'll he'll see. probably tie Michael or pass Michael Schumacher this yeah. year. And that is very relevant to next week's episode, 
of Dynamite. I don't know if Lewis Hamilton watches wrestling. I have no idea. I'd like to find out about that. I, I want to know his, his feeling on uh, Kip Sabian. I want to know his feelings on Big Daddy for WON Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I really uh, care about. You know, tag him in the post, throw a couple hashtags on there. <laughs> uh, so here's what we know is going to happen next week on Dynamite MJF versus Billy of the Gun Club. Lay Sex Guys taking on the best friends. The British Basement Boys versus the Young Bucks. <laughs> we will be ignoring any other tag team names for that tag team. The tag team championships will be defended as Omega and Paige will face the Natural Nightmares. And presumably Cody will face someone for the TNT championship. Uh, on the point of Billy, Dave did say that the WWE came after him for the usage of the name Billy Gunn, which is why he just goes by Billy, much in the vein of <laughs> Cody, just going by Cody. Uh, so there is a, a very good chance that AEW just brought in Austin Gunn so that they can say Billy of the Gun Club or say Billy and Austin Gunn, which is uh, I always found very amusing and very clever when Cody did that with Brandy Rhodes. And now it's even funnier because it's Mr. Ass and his two large guns. <laughs> The little asses. <laughs> I don't know why that's cracking me up on the little asses. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So this is, I thought this was interesting. Somebody brought this up earlier, Mike, to you, I think in the Slack, maybe. Um, they've been going live and then taped. Yeah. This was Sean Cedar brought this up. But it doesn't line up for Fighter Fest, right? I guess it doesn't because with how the schedule is, next week would be a tape show. I assume that they would be taping today. And then... So I guess they'll do two lives in a row? I don't know. I'm going to try to look into this. I think, though, that their their plan was basically every two weeks they film one live, one tape, and do all the shoulder content, and then they come back in two weeks and repeat the process. But then you have a week like the 24th, which would supposed to be a live day, but we already know that Fighter Fest, the first night is live and the second live the second week is taped. So don't know yet. I'll try to figure this out. Hit us up, Tony. Let us know what the uh, answer to that is. Before we get out of here, I want to do a plug that's not for us. A uh, friend of the show, Glitchbat. You got to check out their Etsy account. They do they do charms. They which like kind of like keychains or you can put them on like a bag or something. They do pins. They do lots of cool art. And they have AEW specific Charms. So they have a set of the AW men's division, which includes Orange Cassidy, importantly. And they also have uh, a set from the AW women's division of little uh, acrylic keychains that are all fantastic. I'm giving them a shout out. Uh, I commissioned a special Momo Watanabe keychain from Glitch Bat. They just sent me the final art and it fucking rules. So I highly suggest everyone go to glitch. It's etsy.com slash shop slash glitch and I will also say that Glitchbat is giving some percentage, I can't remember what the percentage is, but some percentage of their sales this month to the Louisville Community Bail Fund. Glitchbat is, uh, also lives in Louisville. So uh, a, a good time to buy something that's fun and uh, get a little of your money thrown to the Community Bail Fund here in Louisville, Kentucky, where uh, Brianna Taylor and David McAtee were murdered by police. All right. Well, it's a real high, high place to end on this show. Anything else you guys want to chat about before we go? I mean, I could still curse out Will Buxton for another 10 minutes if we want to. <laughs> I, I don't know how much Nate's interested in F1 talk, but Will Buxton's a fucking asshole. 
I was surprised yeah. at how how funny the Will Buxton talk ended up being. It worked out. Welcome to the post show, guys. We're talking about things <laughs> that we thought were funny and things that weren't. <laughs> I learned today that that Aaron Bentley has never watched a skate video. I've watched lots of skate videos. Okay, I'm just not like a skate that, video that guy. Not, that was not clearly communicated. I was I was under the impression. Yeah, so I'm trying to look up the uh, our fucking iTunes our podcast app. No, I, to see if I, we got any new ones. I was into the Tony Hawk game. Uh, then I actually got I skateboarded for some period of time. So I mean, huh? I got I was into the X Games. I mean, I watched this stuff. What was your favorite X Game event? I don't know, dude. That's been so long ago at this point. Really, uh, some uh, I don't know. You you were obviously in the culture at some point, uh, but not seem that uh. My favorite X Games event was uh, when Limp Biscuit performed at like the first X Games that were on ESPN. <laughs> I think. Oh, I have an easy answer for this. Well, the street your... luge. That's what I was saying. Oh. Street luge owned because they bit, it was the dumbest thing ever. Like it was John Boyce who said in the '90s, we all lost our mind, and street luge is the perfect example of that. No, my favorite one is like the big open space where you have to. You, it's like a free thing to do all the whatever the tricks. You know what's you that mean, one called? Street. Is it? I don't know. It's just got skating wise. You got a fucking ramp. You got a yes. rail. You got stairs. You know. Yeah, you that, that, that's street. Is that the same as street luge? No, no, Street no. Luge. Street Luge, you know, the, the Winter I, Olympics. I'm familiar with the luge. luge, yes. Yeah, it's that, but on like a highway, a downhill highway. Yeah. I do not remember that. It was often looked terrifying. Yeah. Sounds terrifying. The, the inventor of the sport got into the, uh, to the X Games, and then they broke their foot, and you break with your feet on Street Luge, and he was having to break his break on like him winning his X Game goal with his broken foot. It was insane. There's also something called like sky surfing, which is basically you jump out of a plane with a snowboard attached to you and you spin around in a circle. Oh, I, yeah. I, that I remember that. As well. I, they were just a whole lot of nonsense that they made up. They had, they had like, hey, we've got a real market opportunity here because the Olympics don't have snowboarding or skateboarding or these other legitimate sports. BMX. Uh, but but we're going to need to come up with about 15 more sports to pad this thing out. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, we're, we're going to right now workshop this. We are going to have you. Oh, you have your snowboard, but you don't snowboard anymore. That's fine. What we're going to have you do. Are you afraid of heights at all, guys? Are you? Yes. No. Yes. No. No. OK, great. You're getting up in a plane. We're going to attach a, a snowboard to you and you're just going to spin around and get yourself really dizzy and probably puke. And we're going to tape that and put it on ESPN to the deuce. And also, we're going to judge it somehow. Yeah, somehow we're going to judge it. What's your rubric? You spin real nice. You spin like that, that, shit. That spin was about an eight. 8.7. So, did they, I mean, they have snowboards in the Olympics now, right? So did they oh, yeah. add that after yeah. the X Games? Yeah. Uh, yes. yeah. I mean, they're adding skateboarding too and surfing. Yeah, I mm. think uh, I think skateboarding is supposed to debut in Japan this year, but uh, theoretically next year. But uh, yeah, they did. Snowboarding was a big boon to the, the Winter Olympics, of course, finally getting that on there. Uh, other no, than- uh, I was going to say, no new reviews on the podcast app, so leave us a five-star review there. You know, Write something nice, and we'll talk about your review. Uh, other X-Game pass events, aggressive inline skating. So they had oh, that. Yeah. Stadium super trucks, uh, mountain, <laughs> ba- mountain bike slope style, X-Venture race, uh, windsurfing, wakeboarding, sky surfing, which was one that we were just talking about. And my personal favorite, they had bungee jumping. Wow. They also had ice climbing. Ice climbing would be a very, I don't know why ice climbing is not still in the Winter X Games. Ice climbing sounds like, I mean, would you want to climb up like a sheer glacier? I sure as fuck wouldn't. That's crazy. Is that a race? You got to be the fastest up it? Because that sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, I I hope so. Bring back 
Uh, let's see if we can get them to bring back ice climbing. All right, new mission. Yeah, there we go. I'm probably going to stay up late tonight watching old X Games events now at this point. The, watch watch at least one sky surfing event and one X Games content or, or one street luge thing. You, we have to get your opinions on this. I can't believe that you as a child of the 90s never heard of street luge. I mean, I'm sure I watched it, but just because I was really into the X Games um, at that age, like when they first started being on, well, I guess when they first existed. So I'm sure I've seen it. It just doesn't, the, doesn't the, stick with me. They still have CSGO as an X game sport, by the way. Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. I haven't Global. watched X games in a long time. I did. Uh, I did get back into Dota 2, everyone. So my esports oh, career is on the rise. Did you get Excellent. the summer pass? Because I know they're doing something different because of no international this year. Uh, I did buy the battle pass. Nice. Uh, nice. Very hard, very hard to gain levels in that. You really got to win games. Yeah, which is tough to do when you're not when you're not very good in your solo queuing. Uh, so I don't have high aspirations for getting a high battle pass level, but you know, stay tuned. I did get a good win at Spirit Breaker yesterday, one of my old school favorite heroes. So uh, you know, we did used to talk about esports on here before that uh, bubble burst. I mean, I can still talk about certain esports, but I don't think anyone really wants to talk about the downfall of Overwatch League into Valorant. But I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're to you're in, back into Dota. What, I'd imagine Spirit Breaker you could play one through three. What do you usually play it as? Um, so I, I also got the subscription, the Dota Plus subscription service. Yeah. And what they do is it will basically tell you what role to play depending on what other people pick. You know, sure. using their advanced high level statistics from their, you know, in-house economist or whatever the fuck. Uh, so it'll be like, oh, well, here's your team. Here, This would be a good team or a hero for this comp. And here's how you should play it. And here's what items you should build, which is theoretically all dynamic based on what's happening in the game. Uh, so I was an offlane, offlane core, you know, carry in that win. Made sense. I'm trying to decide between a Dota cat and Padota joke here for my joke of the week. Okay, <laughs> no, Dota, Dota Cat, I would prefer because I got it. I don't get Padota. It's like Pakoda. Yeah. He was doing one, one possibility oh, for you, cat? one for me. The yeah. Pakoda? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I don't know that, what that is, but I have read the word before. Pakoda was for yeah. me. Dota Cat was for you. Yeah. Or, uh, no, that a Dota Cutter doesn't really work. Nah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Here's my <laughs> suggestion to the listeners for. AB's joke of the week. Pick one of those and uh, have a little laugh. And there you go. Everybody's happy. <laughs> All right. If you want more jokes, I do a lot of them at everything AEW. Check it out. Uh, or at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Aya. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review, as Nate said, especially, well, I guess only if you're on the Apple Podcast app. And uh, please, of course, check out patreon.com slash everything elite it's early in the month so plenty of content left to come for mike for nate i'm aaron we'll see you next time